make sure that all the streaming platforms are going are going on. So it's a it's a job. Um, we are going to go live on Facebook. You're actually my f first Facebook go live, which is really exciting because I think I'm going to be able to advertise more and reach a broader audience. Thus far, I've been mostly on Twitter and oh, sorry, on LinkedIn and YouTube on live. And obviously, I use Twitter for pushing out more content because it's a little bit more professional than Facebook. But I'm I'm trying it out yeah. and see how it goes. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Connecting. All right, let's see. This one is good. Okay, I have to add some more information there. Once you have it all down, I swear it's it's like the easiest thing to do, but figuring it out, putting the pieces together is, is the tough part. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and they all like different platforms. So um, I have to like make sure that they they're all in sync for some reason. So okay. No one is ready to go live. This one is ready to go live. And Gabby, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you doing today? I am doing pretty great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I am. I have all the lives platform open right now. Super transparent here. Um, we are going live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube right now. So if you want to talk to us or ask us questions, please uh, send us a message. We'll be here. Um, monitoring, um, monitoring and, and um, um, monitoring the chat, monitoring making the sure chat, that, making sure that um, Gabby, uh, Gabby is, is part of the live. Actually, I'm having some 
No worries. There's always going to be something that happens. I know LinkedIn <laughs> is giving me a little bit of a hard time for some reason. Um, I got the chat open, so if anyone is already dying to ask questions, we're already here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, All right. Let's um, see if my LinkedIn can get updated. Sorry about that. No worries. <laughs> I'm still having an awesome time looking at your beautiful camera. So I have Thank camera you. envy. <laughs> Thank um, you so much. Um, okay. So that should be going somewhere now. All right. Hopefully. Hopefully LinkedIn. You got this LinkedIn. It's... <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Oh no. <laughs> Panic on live stream right here. <laughs> what is it like fail fast? What is that? Uh... For sure. Fail fast. And you can, we can, I mean, if LinkedIn, it's great to have LinkedIn, but if we have the other platforms too, I'm always a fan of just go with what we got. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. You know what? I, I also, I super agree. So let's try to just go with, uh, Facebook and YouTube and then we'll upload, and then we'll upload to LinkedIn later. How about that? Yeah. There you go. People will get it. We'll still give them the content. <laughs> great. Um, so, so, uh, Thank you, everybody, Thank for you, being patient with me as I was trying to figure out those uh, technical issues. Uh, today, my guest is Gabby Lubin. She is the CEO and founder of Spark by Gabby. Her going live is to provide helping professionals with the tools to continue their passion. Gabby is a former teacher and realized that she felt burnt out. She left the classroom to learn about stress management and created this amazing company that she's going to talk to us about today. Specifically, her concentration is in educator wellness. Welcome, Gabby, to the Embossed Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to dive in today. So tell us a little bit about you. Um, where are you from and, and uh, how did your journey as an educator started? Yeah, so I'm from Chicago, which is where I recently moved back to. I say recent, even though it's been almost a year and a half, but <laughs> yeah. pandemic time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, so I grew up in Chicago, left for college, went to New England, which was a little different, still cold. And um, while I was in college, I decided that I was really passionate about education, really passionate about students. Um, it was a thing that I'd done since I was a kid, honestly. I started babysitting when I was in fifth grade. I do not know why anyone put me in charge of children then, but we did. Um, yeah. And so I decided to go into teaching right after that uh, because yeah. I was really enamored by that light bulb yeah. moment for students. Um, and I, I loved it initially. I taught in charter schools in D.C. I was teaching kindergarten. Yeah. Then I moved into pre-K, which was... Yeah. A year. Uh, I, if anyone 
remembers if you're a teacher or an educator or even just the first year of any job you've had, it's an experience. It is even more of an experience as a teacher. Um, but I decided to continue and taught for five years. Um, however, at the end of like my fourth year of teaching, I decided, oh, like maybe my health and well-being are important. Maybe I should start thinking about how to take care of myself a little bit better. Mm. And this is four years in, so <laughs> four full years, like a, probably a little late, right? No one had taught me about how to do this. No one was really talking to me about like why I was important. It was always about kids, which makes sense. That's what you do yeah. when you're in education. You think about the kids first. Um, but I went with some coworkers to a spin studio in DC, um, cycle bar. If anyone is familiar with that, there's some in Chicago too. So you might know. Um, and I fell in love, fell in like absolute love and got super obsessed with it. Like <laughs> many teachers are with certain things or many yep. type A people as I am type A. Um, and in six months I decided to try out to be an instructor and there was this like energy I was feeling from this experience that I was not getting in teaching kids. And it was the ability to see your work transformed right in front of you, seeing mm. people in the studio feel as if they were just enamored by something bigger than their job, bigger than, I don't know. It was just this communal sense of relief um, mm. after class. So I became really obsessed with that. And in my fifth year of teaching was when mm -hmm. I was teaching both kids and fitness. Um, and maybe I won't go too deep into this yet, but uh, that year is when I realized that I was not feeling fulfilled from my full-time job. Okay. I was not. What and, was the thing that you're um, not going to go too deep into yet? Well, I mean, we can... I, whether, it depends on how deep we want to go into the story. Like, this is like super, super... Tell me about initial it. Curious days of my career. <laughs> okay, let's do it. We can do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a really hard year that that last year because I decided, I think, in so my fifth year of teaching, I decided in probably October that teaching was no longer for me. Mm. Um, and so I had to go through multiple months because I wasn't going to quit on my kids. Many, many yeah. people do, but it was not something that I felt okay about. Yeah. Um, I had to go through many months of, first of all, what am I going to do? Yeah. for this. Yeah. And if teaching is the only thing I've, I've known, like it's, it's really hard to conceptualize a different career. Yeah. And that's why a lot of educators struggle. Um, yeah. are struggling right now. And also to show up every day and have to give so much of yourself when you yeah. know that this is just no longer serving you. It was, it yeah. was emotionally really difficult, honestly. Yeah. So how did you um, deal with speaking of wellness? How did you deal with those moments yourself? And maybe, maybe it's not as well as you would have dealt today, obviously, but how did you back down deal with that? Um, probably in a not healthy way of, uh, going and taking lots of spin classes all the time <laughs> and teaching them. Um, and likely, you know, having a few happy hours and coming to late a little work, a, so like, a, coming to so, work a little late. <laughs> so like wine, you know, you're in there or something. Yeah. I was burnt yeah. out. Like those are the signs of burnout when like you totally. just, you no longer feel joy from the things that you used to feel joy yeah. you no longer yeah. feel empowered by the things that you wanted to experience and yeah. you're looking for a lot of outs 
and that's what I was doing every day. And so how did you go about finding your next step? Um, so it's really different for, for teachers oftentimes, um, than other professionals because teachers have, especially if you've only been an educator, there's really like this box that you understand. Yeah. Um, And you're super capable. Teachers are capable of doing so many different jobs, but you just haven't had exposure to different settings and to different professions and to different ways of, um, applying your skills. Uh, Like, you know, consultants do it all the time. They apply in lots of different ways. And in many ways we're consultants as educators because we're thinking of many different components. We're multitaskers. We're doing lots Mm -hmm. of things in the classroom, but it's just a very different work setting. So I knew that I wanted to do something different. I knew I wanted to answer a different question, but I had to think about what could I do in the meantime to get like space from my experience Mm. so I could figure out what the next question was. I love that you're taking space. I mean, without knowing all the things about wellness at the time, I knew that that was important. Just like Mm -hmm. reflection time. You don't have reflection time a lot of the times as a busy professional, but like as an educator, no reflection time, none, none. Even summers don't, <laughs> Don't tell me there's enough. There's no reflection time over the summer. It's just like recover, <laughs> recover from um, the year. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to do something that I felt that I was good at, which was teach fitness, mm. um, and that was the only other thing that I knew, honestly. Um, but it was also filling my cup a lot more than any of the other things I did. So um, in December of my fifth year is when I started pursuing other. And I knew I needed to have multiple fitness jobs because. Um, <laughs> when is that enough? Let's be honest. Well, right? I mean, it, it, there just wasn't enough opportunity for me at that one studio. Um, if I had maybe been a soul cycle instructor, that would have been a different story because they, they pay people as a real professional. Nice. Um, but why I was just giggling is that, um, th- I went from one, um, not respected profession to another not respected profession. And so getting a about, second yeah. job. Yeah. Tell me about the non-respected part of it. Because I think we are now in a very different appreciation state for teachers in this moment in time because we've had to do it. Right. And, and we've gone through all we've gone through with COVID. But Tell me more about like, how is, how are both non respected and, and, you know, like, you know, even like the courage of going into that as well, right? Like knowing that, oh, this may not be exactly the right choice. I may, were you afraid of crashing and burning and, and, you know, like, how do you deal with that fear? Well, I'm glad that you say that you respect educators. That's awesome. It's because you're a mom and you know what it felt like in the pandemic. (laughs) I've always had respect for educators. I think like I felt powerless about what to do about it because I've I've always had like really like a fond experience with my professor and I know how I remember how much grief I've given them. So (laughs) I do do have a personal respect as well, but yeah, yeah, totally. Well, it's just so interesting because everyone has an experience of being in a classroom. Everyone has had a teacher. Everyone has experienced education. But 
the saying, unfortunately, is really true. If you, I mean, not true. I think it's just um, the way our culture thinks about it. If you can't do teach, which is not accurate. It's really hard to teach. It takes a special kind of person to teach. It takes so much constant work to be able to be a really successful teacher, not just teach too. Um, but still we have this sentiment in our culture that if you're helping other people, sometimes it's just like, it's not as valued. Um, same thing goes with it's the same kind of ideas, fitness professionals, nurses. Sometimes we just think of these things as, as lesser. And the unfortunate component to that is that, you know, it was embedded in the way that education was created from the beginning of education in the United States. But also the layer on top of that is that there are mostly females in the profession. And that has not unfortunately helped more people have more respect for the profession as a whole. Um, so it was tough. And I remember when I first decided to, to go into teaching, I felt lesser than a lot of my peers that were graduating. I felt like I had to prove myself to family members. Um, and shifting into fitness full time, I had to say, okay, I'm going to do it for this amount of time only because that's a way to make it feel acceptable for me and for other people in my life. And Mm. I have to have like this number of this aura of success, AKA working in two different fitness studios, making X amount of money a week, having this many clients, like that made it acceptable for me at the time. I felt that I, I felt, felt, yeah, I felt that for real because because I, I, you're you're not making me think in what areas of my life. I am, um, I'm also like thinking about it that way. I don't know if I ever thought it about it that way. Let me restate that. And you said like, you made it almost acceptable for others to accept you in this profession in some way. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, like the, the scene that you said about education and how, like, if you don't know teach, it's to me, it's funny because growing up in tech and consulting as a professional, um, we actually have a different thing, which is like, if you do it, it costs one X. If we do it together, it costs two X. If I have to teach you, it costs three X. And so the, the view is different. And I also thought about the fact that like, there, there are ex- many Renowned, renowned professors, professors. granted is university, granted but, still, university but still, that are men that, are men, that have all the that accolades, that have all the star power, the status. the status. So what is the difference? So what is the difference? You know, like, why is, like that why is that good? And good. why is, and why is teaching, not, teaching or not, not, or as not as positive or accepted in society? Oh, God, honestly, the million dollar question, but (laughs) it's, I mean, higher education is a whole other conversation and I, I'm less of an expert in higher education. So I won't, I won't pretend that I am an expert there, but you know, as think about the way that we consider the differences between a preschool teacher and a college professor, they have the exact same job. They are helping people grow and become better humans 
totally. helping people learn how to, to interact with the world with people and with information. But our, the way that we pay those people, the it's benefits negative. that we give those people, the opportunities that we give those people are completely different. And it yeah. isn't because their job is really that different. Totally. And that was exactly, that was exactly the point. So thank you so much for stating it so beautifully. Uh, breaks my heart. <laughs> it breaks my heart, but it's true. And we got a lot of work to, un- uh, a lot of stuff to uncover, which honestly the pandemic has been helpful in unveiling Blessing. some more yeah. of this. Absolutely. I'm, I'm super, I'm thankful for it. Yeah. But... K K twelve education, and I guess probably pre K twelve education, yeah. has like run back as fast as we could to new normal or like the way things were mm-hmm. as much as possible because they haven't had time to reflect. They haven't had time to think about how to improve education because they've been in this like state of fight or flight constantly. Yeah. I have to make a confession. Yeah, I have to make a confession. Education is one is actually one of my favorite industries for all the wrong reasons because it's inefficient. Because (laughs) because I think it's outdated. Because I think you know, like I think I just want better for the teachers, my kids, ourselves. Because I think it's underfunded. You know, all the wrong. That's why. That's why it's one of my favorite industries to take a look at. And there's so many initiatives of virtual now and hybrid and all that good stuff. Um, But I think that takes me back a little bit also to Sparked by Gabby. So at some point you were doing these two jobs and you were doing like running as fast as possible. What was the transition? Hustle culture. Big hustle culture. Yep. Go ahead. (laughs) By the way, uh, I I, I am a recent graduate from hustle culture into the next level (laughs) me too that's what i'm working on that's great less is is more (laughs) yes focus 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 you know um yeah totally Um, so how how did you transition from that moment of those having those two jobs and into creating sparked by gabby and also, like, what was the discernment about, like, specifically targeting educators in the process? Because there's so many, like, I don't know, fitness instructors as just the general public, right? So what was about going back to your roots that made something stick for you? Hmm. It's so, there's so many different components. So I think I, I had been thinking about, my question in life, uh, which is very like existential, but I am a deep thinker and I, I like, I like deep thinking. So I've been thinking about what my question, my purpose in life would be. Um, and as I left the classroom, pieces started to fall into place and in that I was teaching two kinds of fitness. I was not just teaching spin. I was also teaching hit classes and very different kinds of studios. One was a franchise model with really just it as a business versus as a passion. And then the other space I was teaching was a small business, um, black LGBTQ owned studio, which had all the passion, all the purpose, as well as, um, just like opportunities to experiment. Um, so I'd had the, 
I was starting to put the pieces together emotionally, physically, and then also just like experientially through this. And my two questions that I was left with were, do I want to go back to be a part of the educational system Mm. or do you want, do I want to go back to solve a problem in the educational Mm. system? Because there was still, I had this drive still to be a part of it because there were, there was just something unfinished about my experience. Um, and I was still very passionate about being in the educational space. So I decided honestly, um, decided that going back to be a part of the system would just bring me too much stress. And I was having way too much of a positive experience teaching fitness. I felt much healthier. I felt happier. I felt fulfilled. And I was like, why in the why in the world would I go back and choose stress? Like this just does not make sense. So I wanted to think about why, why did I leave? Why are people leaving? What was the thing that caused me and 44% of educators in the first five years to say, this isn't for me. Um, and that number was like a, a big aha moment. So, um, the way I made this new life for me acceptable, like we're talking about, is that I decided to apply to grad school um, within the year. And so that was the opportunity for me to reflect, decide what I wanted to do with grad school, and then apply. So I decided to, to apply to two schools. Um, it's a little bit risky, I guess, but one of them was the Harvard Graduate School of Education. And it was the only school that was thinking like big picture and having these big, just big unanswered questions that were pursued on every level. Um, so I was really passionate about that. And I decided that educator wellness was, was the path for me there. Um, got into grad school. And then two weeks later, the pandemic hit. And I was a gig worker. I was someone who was making money by the hours I was spending inside a physical space. Mm. And all of a sudden, my 14, 15, however many classes in the one program that I had developed. And also my like four personal training clients, all of them were, it was all gone. All Mm -hmm. gone. Um, And so the day, uh, March 16th, which is crazy that it is almost two years now, almost two years. Um, Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's insane. Um, March 16th, I walked out of my last fitness class and I said, I'm going to do some, people have a need right now. People are feeling overwhelmed. They're scared. They're unsure of what to do. I have a service I can provide them. I can teach hit class. I don't need any equipment. I am a skilled instructor and I also know the power of mindfulness and I have been teaching mindfulness for some time. I'm going to put both those together and I'm going to teach what I called it then hit and meditation. Um, I'm going to, I made a Canva post. I texted all my friends. I put it on Instagram. I put it everywhere. And, uh, I think like, must've been like 6 PM, 6 PM that night was when 45 computers signed on lots of people with their roommates or their families or whoever they, we all got on and by five roommates in my living room, cause I was living with two people and then the boyfriends, we all did a class and then we did it the next day. And the next day, and by Friday, I was like, there is something here. First of all, this pandemic, I don't know when it's going to be over. They say it's two yeah. weeks. Yeah. I, I, who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I see an opportunity. I am energized by this. People want this. Like, let me provide a service to them. Um, 
And so I came up with a schedule for the next week and we kept doing it. And, you know, this right now is open to the general public. It was open to anyone who wanted to be a part of this space. And I was creating and thinking on my feet. I was trying to collaborate. I was trying to partner with people. Didn't work out, whatever. I did it on my own. No big deal, I guess. <laughs> um, and it took, it, it took this like safe space of COVID with nothing else happening mm. and an out. I was going to go to grad school. And if everything else failed, something would happen from graduate school, hopefully. Totally. Um, but there was too much need and there was too much excitement from it that I, I kind of kept building on it. Um, and last year, 2021 was when I really thought more deeply about the educator issue and why, mm. why, how the stars were really aligning in this mm-hmm. space for me to totally. solve not just a general question, but a more specific question. Yeah. Yeah. That is an awesome story. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. And I heard like a lot of like, um, maybe lessons there too, a little nuggets starting up. What would you say were the biggest things? Like, did you dive into like all the podcasts, all the medium articles, all the, whatever, the Twitters and the, or did Tell me, like, tell me about it. Like, what, did you like get obsessed about like, how do you sort of start up? Did you even know it was a company at the time? <laughs> the short answer is no. <laughs> we were just doing it. I was so passionate about it and, and there was need for it. I was getting immediate, I mean, gratification in that people were signing up and telling their friends about it. Nice. That. I didn't have to say like, what is this? And constantly yeah. reflect on that. I think what was a big hangup for me and what I hear is a big hangup for a lot of early, early stage entrepreneurs is like, oh, like how do, how do we get, how do we be legally a thing? Like how did those balls fall into place or whatever? Um, and once I realized it was really easy, it's like, incredibly easy to get an <laughs> LLC, shockingly easy. Um, that, that was a really exciting moment. Um, you know, I, I think I was, I think it was this really special time in, in my life where I didn't have to think about all of the right way to do things mm-hmm. and just instead did, which I think is a, if, if I were to give advice to any early stage person, yeah. it, it is to not think as much about like how to, and just to try to fail. And that was the best advice my mentor gave me. He was like, just ask for forgiveness. Just do it. And I was like, all right, great. I'm going to take that. And I'm going to run with that. Thank you. And haven't had to forgive too much. It's been a really special time in which we've been able to grow and evolve in, like you said, a safe safe space where maybe like, you know, COVID and the internet and online is a little bit less scary than showing up at a class in person and, you know, you know, and having all eyes on you right this second and um, it, it, I don't, I don't know if it's good or, or bad, <laughs> like long-term, like what, what is that teaching us as humans? But I def- it's definitely interesting and it's definitely created more businesses than ever. So I'm excited about that. 
yeah, I think the barriers on both sides are lower to experiencing new things or trying new things. But sometimes you're right. But if, since the barriers are so low, sometimes that means that nothing is happening too. (laughs) It goes both ways, but there's been like so much entrepreneurship, which I'm sure you have seen and felt uh, lately. But I do think, um, like the, it, it was a really competitive atmosphere. Yes. Yes. Fitness is, fitness was a thing for equal oh. during the lot. Everybody was teaching a class or something from home. Yeah, it was a lot. And I think one of the best decisions I made yeah. was to charge from the very beginning because there were so many people giving all of their stuff away for free. And it's tell really me, hard to come back. Yeah, tell me, tell me about this decision. I did not know this. Tell me, like, how did you make this decision? Like, and how, you know. How did you get people to sign up for it? Well, I decided that I was worthy of payment, honestly, and that I, I am worthy period. (laughs) I love it. Um, My time is worthy. Yeah. It's just, I I think that probably the first week was donating. I think it was probably donation based the first week and we just did it via Venmo and people were being very generous and supportive because they knew that this was my full-time job. So I think that was helpful. Um, maybe a little bit, well, a lot of my friends were in professional careers and not, most of them were not teachers at the very beginning. Some of them were teachers, but most of them had professional careers and they're like, well, this is my way of like giving back. Thank you for your charity, but also <laughs> let me give you something that's important. <laughs> um, but I think I started to value that right away. And I think the second best decision that I made, which we've um, now, we, we don't have this as our business model, but um, week two of the pandemic was when I decided to do cohort-based um, pricing model, essentially. And so people would opt in at the beginning of the week to take uh, one of three cohorts, either Monday, Wednesday, Friday hit, and they would pay like $45 for it. So it was like not pretty like decent price. Um, they would opt in to take Tuesday, Thursday, like a core class, kind of like a Pilates at noon, or they would take Monday, Wednesday, Friday meditation class. And those were all like set prices and it worked That's really it. well. That's it. Really? really? Where did you learn that? Where did you learn that? I don't know. I have no idea, but um, <laughs> it was something I, I came it. up with and we just pulled it out and it worked. So we're glad. Where did you, where did you get even your pricing? Why, why, why 45? Um, probably broken down into the per class pricing. Um, I'd spent some, a decent amount of time just like thinking about the business models of the two studios that I was working at as well as like seeing some of the behind the scenes, um, action. I was one of the more effective, I guess, or, um, top instructors at cycle bar, which was helpful for me to see just like how much people were paying and how people were coming to classes and how much money I was making. So I knew a little bit about that, but then in my other studio, cause it was a small business and I was, Um, one of the only full-time fitness instructors. So I would kind of, I would teach the morning class and then me and the CEO, well, he's no longer the CEO, but the then CEO would, um, really just talk about all the things. And so he would share a lot of the behind the scenes information. Really helpful. And he is my coach. Coach G. Shout out to coach G. 
<laughs> That's amazing. Congratulations. I love that pricing strategy. It's really, really good. And thank you for, you know, like demonstrating yourself or, you know, like just declaring yourself worthy from, a, from the beginning and not giving stuff away for free. That's an awesome, like, good job. Yeah. Good job, Gabby. Good job, self. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's, I think as a woman, yeah. As someone who's in lesser acknowledged professions, yeah. um, it is a constant thing that I have to think about and ask yeah. myself about. And now that I've actually pivoted into education, it has been really hard to keep the pricing structures where I want it to because mm-hmm. fitness is not really compatible. Like the amount that you normally, not normally, but the amount that boutique and studio fitnesses ask is not the amount that educators or education can really pay. And so it's been hard to find that middle ground. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's been also, you know, a blessing in disguise being a virtual studio because the overhead fees, no, yeah, yeah, no, no, no studio fees, no, you know, that's how uh, you make ta- it work. That's towels, why, you know, all that stuff, nothing. Yeah. Which like, you know, maybe one day there is going to be an in-person studio. Who knows? Like I have a, I have some visions. I have some ways in which I would make that really different. Yeah. But this is the way to make it work now. And this is the way to support the people who actually need it. I love that. That is so cool. So what are you, what are you finding in education that is so needed? Um, and I know you touched a little, we talked a little bit about this, about the stress of being an educator, but in today's environment, what are the pain points that you're seeing educators are facing that this business makes it so worthy, worth it for them and worthy as well to, for them to, uh, to engage and sign up and have more schools sign up and, and partner with you in order to give educators the, the wellness they need? Oh, second million dollar question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so there's a lot going on in education and there's a lot that has been unveiled because of the pandemic. Um, the issues of the unsustainability of the profession of teaching have existed pre-pandemic. And we see that in a lot of the numbers, such as the one I shared before, 44% of teachers leave in the first five years. And I was one of them. Um, but the pandemic has unveiled every other layer that, that was deep down in there and embedded. So the lack of time to reflect, the lack of opportunity to um, de-stress during the day, during breaks, during summer, the lack of support that teachers are getting, the lack of, the list goes on. Um, If you can think about it, then it's probably true. And there's probably 10 more of those things at least. Um, And it's really interesting because it is both a systemic and an individual issue. by mean systemic, I mean all the things that I shared about like sub policies or lack of vacation time or sick leave or just support during the school day. Those are systemic issues, but on an individual level, kind of what we've been talking about, what it feels like to be 
oftentimes a woman in a stressful environment where you don't have the capacity to reflect or the capacity to take time for yourself. And well, there's a lot of different layers in there for why, and that's not necessarily true for every single educator, but what has been the, what's the right word? What has been the norm in education is that it is on the individual teacher to figure out what works for them so that Mm -hmm. they can stay in the classroom and become more effective. Mm -hmm. And the issue with that is that we can't leave it up to the teacher because Mm -hmm. it's wasting a ton of money, a ton of time, a ton of student opportunity because of it. With that 44% that are leaving every single time one of the teachers leaves, it costs an urban district $20,000 to replace an often less qualified teacher. Mm. And right now there are like three times, at least, sorry, at the beginning of this school year versus pre COVID, there is an average of three times more vacancies than before, which means that's an average of $5.9 million that counties have to spend on this, just finding teachers to come back. And there aren't enough. There aren't enough teachers that are coming into the field right now. Um, I don't obviously know what the numbers are for next year, but this issue is compounding every single year because teachers are having to think more on their feet on how to support their students who are further behind because there are more COVID protocols, because the COVID protocols are changing, because principals are leaving, because everything, everything. Um, And although there are some systemic things that are changing, like I'm hearing some really fantastic success stories um, within different pockets of of the U.S. Um, I've heard some stuff in Colorado. I'm really close to a lot of schools in D.C. Um, There are some great systemic things that are changing. But fundamentally, if teachers are still stressed and don't know how to cope with that stress and manage it, they're going to leave. And I don't blame them. As an individual who left because it was a lot, I don't blame them. Um, So our role is to kind of think about this both on the systemic and the individual level. And how how do we support both, both parts of the system? How do we today help an educator work through the shit that came up um <laughs> the stuff so that like they don't feel good about that they're that they that their self-worth is draining on how do we build them back up relieve that so that they can come back to the classroom the next day and, and do their best work but then on a more systemic level how do we work with schools to make sure that this is one a priority financially yeah. so still like working on my own self-worth and the self-worth of wellness um how is how can it be a priority within the structure of the school day? How can we um, give teachers paid time to practice wellness like every other industry does, you know? Mm. Nearly every industry. Not every industry, but many industries. Um, And how, how do we make sure that the leaders are walking the walk and not just talking the talk? Totally. I, I 100% love that bit that I like, just the sheer passion that I hear in, in supporting this group of people, it's amazing. What business model now have you applied to the 
uh, education, education industry, industry versus like versus your like more private model? Yeah. So we started diving deeper into education last year. So it's still, I mean, I guess new, but I, I have felt very excited about the progress that we've yeah. made. Um, we moved from one pilot in January, 2021, and now we have 15 fully paid school partnerships um, by November wow. of last year. So it's great. And so we have this B2B model, which is fantastic. And schools are paying for their staff's access to our entire wow. resources, Platform. which is yeah. huge. Yeah, it's huge. So live mindful fitness classes, on-demand mindful fitness classes, and then the opportunity to experience some other kinds of pop-ups. Like we're doing an embroidery pop-up uh, next week. We're thinking about um, how to give people education on burnout, et cetera. Um, so like really like access to uh, practical daily resources. Mm. Um, and so that's on the B2B level and schools are paying for that fully. And then we're also doing it in direct to consumer level because we can always make systemic change right away. Um, and it is important for us to make the impact that we can as soon as possible. Yeah. And those teachers end up being ambassadors for us, which is amazing. And they get to tell their leaders, Hey, this is something that I feel that is really helping me. And I think everyone should have access to it. So it's great. It's been great to do both. I enjoy it. Um, what have you noticed in the education model that you need to customize specifically versus the private sector and specifically for educators, maybe or for schools? Yeah. I mean, we've done a ton of customer surveying and having a ton of customer interviews. Um, and by customers, I mean, teachers, educators, principals, different parts of the education world. Um, and what we've learned is that the more that we can make it fit the exact needs of what they're looking for, mm. because it could do Peloton, they could do Headspace, it could do all these other places. Right, right, right. Um, the better we're going to support them. So what this looks like is early morning classes, 6 a.m., 5.30 yeah. a.m., yeah, I'm, I'm no longer doing those mostly because I'm in central time and most of our clients are Eastern time right now. Got it. Um, so we're not doing 4.30 a.m. classes, but um, <laughs> we are very uh, excited about them. And so that's one thing. And then another thing is just having bite-sized classes. So I've, I've heard a lot of feedback. So we don't just do yoga classes, but yoga is one of the formats that we have. And a lot of yoga studios are still doing 60 minute virtual classes, which doesn't work for a lot of people. And it mm -hmm. really does not work for educators. They need 15, 20, 30, sometimes 45 minute classes to get it in, get it done and do their thing. Love um, it. And the last thing is just really customizing kind of our language, I would say. In the class experience, it's not as if we're saying like, yeah, teachers, it was so hard for you today. Like, pick up another five pounds. That's, you got this. You know, that would be a really fake way of doing it. But we do it instead by having staff that are in their shoes or have been in their shoes. People who understand what they're going through so that they can target mindfulness practices to what they need. Mm. They can target how they're thinking about the day or the week or the, the month. So, you know, 
it's testing season. Ooh, that's a, that's a stressful time. Here is a different way that I can shift your mind to not have to think about the stressors of testing instead. So it's, it's less like in your face and it's more of a peer to peer community experience. Love it. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I I love that. That's, that's really awesome. Gabby, what you're doing, what has been, I had another question about this, but what has been your most popular product among teachers and educators that you find that is really getting them excited? Um, you know, maybe it's just by, by, by casualty that it is the most popular, but I was just curious to hear what they're gravitating towards. Um, there's a, a couple different ties, but I think this is, I think this product, our, this service is our most unique. Yeah. Um, I, you know, m- like many things that I think of, it doesn't necessarily come from like one specific article or one specific place. Yeah. It's just an accumulation of thoughts. So last January, I decided to create this class structure called set and finish the week. And it is a 30 minute morning time live experience, but you can take it on demand too. Um, that is Monday and Friday morning. And the purpose is literally to set yourself up mentally for the, yeah. for the week and then also close it out. And so what it looks like more practically is so it's so good, so juicy. And <laughs> I am obsessed with it. If I could talk about it all day, I would. But it's just like this beautiful marriage of a few different things. Um, we start by um, asking a question and um, asking you to set an intention. And everyone knows, everyone brings out their journal. They're ready to do this. They write the answer to the question down. So things like, what makes you feel strong? Like really broad, general, whatever, wherever you want to take it. And then setting an intention. So very similar to like a yoga practice, but instead of like randomly thinking about like, I want to be present, which is a fine intention, but like very general, or like, I want to be sweaty today. Like those are things that you might think of when you're being unspecific. If you have the opportunity to write it down and to see it and to make it more tangible and to reflect Mm -hmm. on ones from previous days or weeks, like it just makes it more, um, significant and important. Um, so it's the journaling part. We dive into like 15 minutes of stretching, like yoga light. Think about it. So it's, it's really cool. It's accessible for people who are in their twenties and in their sixties. And we have people from all of those ages that come. It's amazing. Um, and then we, we end with a mindful moment. So a longer, um, mindfulness practice where you're really getting into your body, into your breath, into your present. And then we close with the exact same prompts of the question and your intention. Uh, and it is beautiful. People love oh it. God. It is something that people crave. It is something that people now just like know. It's it's more of that like behavior change that you might see um, that is really hard to, to get for folks versus like, here's a hit class. We're going to pick up something heavy and you might feel sweaty and good after. It goes deeper than that. Mm. that is so beautiful i really Thank love you. that i'm like i want i want that too okay. you can <laughs> and we, can, it. We, we can set up for it right because it is available for yeah. public too perfect yeah oh, yep. so anyone close. can come we love, love people who love educators too so a lot yeah. of our um most our longest clients are people that started back in 
March 2020 to June 2020, and they're non-educators, and they're there because they care about education, and they love what we do. So would love to have you on it, too. Nice. Beautiful. Believe it or not, we're almost at time, but I want to give you the space to tell us um, where are you going next with your business? What are you looking for in terms of support? Uh, if anybody is listening that can help out, make an introduction, uh, sign up for a class, what, what, what's up? I love it. It, was, it feels like a perfect, uh, perfect transition from what I was just talking about. We would love to be supporting more schools and more educators and making more impact, um, of course. Right now, we're working with 15 schools, and most of them are in D.C., Chicago, and Boston, but we'd like to increase that. So whether you yourself are an educator or whether you know educators, and I I seriously mean like teacher, I mean paraprofessional, I mean special educator, social worker, principal, superintendent, any of those people, if you know someone, um, first check on them. Hey, I'm here for you, here (laughs) to support you, and I care about you. That I feel like is always number one. Um, and then number two, you know, we want to share this resource with people because we are the only business who is doing wellness in this way. Um, love and I encourage competition. If that's where we want to be, that's fine. Um, but <laughs> I want to make sure that this resource is getting to the people who want it. Um, and school budget time is right now. So the time really is now to act if, if you, um, care and if you are excited about this, um, I love that. What is, your dream? what is your dream school? Do you have a dream space that you want to get into that we can just like go ahead and put it out in the universe or a couple? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we're so at our core, we think about uh, how our work is an act of justice. Yeah. So we want to be in schools that are serving the typically underserved by populations. Um, We want to be supporting schools that are in both charter and public spaces, less than private, but you know, we'll support private school teachers too. Um, But really thinking about how, how we can elevate the opportunity of teachers who serve some of the most disadvantaged students so that those students can be more advantaged. Oh, that's so awesome. awesome. Gabby, Gabby, thank you so much much for coming on the podcast. podcast. Yeah. It's been been my pleasure. pleasure. Um, Um, You can find find Gabby Gabby on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Um, I will upload upload the the video video also on that platform. platform. And we'll we'll link link her profile in the comments. And Spark by Gabby is at www.spark, that's S-P-A-R-K, by Gabby, two B's, dot com. Yeah. And you can find us on all the platforms. We have all the things now. All the platforms. Even Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of it. So we'd love to connect with all of you. That is my favorite thing to do. We love expanding our network. Thank you so much for coming, Gabby. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's a lovely conversation.